Welcome to Delta Green, Impossible Landscapes, brought to you by Black Project Gaming. Get read in at blackprojectgaming.com. I'm Vince, your host and handler for this campaign. Joining me are Brett, as DEA Special Agent Michael Whitwer, also known as Agent Vega. Cami as FBI Special Agent Geneva Brown, also known as Agent Venus. Doug, as FBI Special Agent Mark Hansom, also known as Agent Meshach. And Jack, as FBI Special Agent Cassandra Troy, also known as Agent Madison. Impossible Landscapes is a campaign of wonder, horror, and conspiracy, written by Dennis Detwiller for Delta Green, the role-playing game. For more information on Delta Green, please visit delta-green.com. This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So, to recap, in our last session, uh, the agents found themselves navigating and making their way into the uh, vents in the Hotel Broadlebin on behalf of uh, Charlie. I believe his name was. Uh, well, shit. See, I got it. Elmer? Was, no, that was Elmer Lissette. He was the guy in the front. Let's see. Oh, he was the, the guy at the door. Yeah, the, the guy at the door. So, uh, entrance to the lobby, rooms and lodging, elevator. Um, was he the guy that gave us shit for firing a gun in the hotel? That was Elmer. Yep, Elmer did that. What a square. Thomas? Yeah. Guido, <laughs> Guido Charlie Antonucci. Oh, that's even better. Yep, Char- Guido Charlie Antonucci, the elevator operator. Um, on, on his behalf, uh, you know, as a favor and, and he would kind of help you get to the whisper labyrinth. Uh, he, and at the recommendation of Mark Rourke, as a matter of fact, uh, who you also ran into at the hotel Broadleman, you go, that guy's aces. He's aces. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's the best. Um, he, uh, essentially asked you all to go up into the vents and take care of a rat problem that he was having. Uh, Come to find out it wasn't rats. Uh, it was the drowned decaying corpses of Asa Darabondi's uh, child victims uh, uh, just who were all now for whatever reason in these vents in this hotel and you found yourselves almost overwhelmed by them but you gruesomely managed to make your way back out after killing quite a few of them if not all of them Um, and with that job done Guido was more than happy to uh, take you to a specific room where you watched a marionette known as a sommelier navigate through the labyrinthine hallways of the Hotel Broadlebin to the entrance of the uh, Whisper Labyrinth. Mark Rourke did accompany you uh, in exchange for some of his mining equipment, some of his spelunking equipment, rope, helmets, lanterns, all that good stuff. He was more than happy to provide so long as you allowed him to accompany you. And once you reached the entrance of the Whisper Labyrinth, he took off running uh, down into uh, the depths of of this labyrinth. Intelligently and cleverly, you all made the decision to tie ropes around one another, which was a great thing because that could have gone very badly if you decided to try to uh, go separately. So good on you for that. Uh, You made your way through and, and it was very difficult navigating and finding your way. Uh, but eventually you ran into the sommelier again, who led you upon your request to the bottle of one JC Lins. 
And upon touching the bottle and picking it up, you actually opened up a passageway uh, to a set of stairs leading up. And when you took those stairs, you found yourselves on the banks of the Cloud Lake in Lost Carcosa. Uh, you looked around, noticed that there were some uh, boats on the banks of this this f- lake of fog, th- this ephemeral lake. And uh, you got in the boats, began drifting down, and as you kind of float ever downward through this fog, through these clouds, you saw first these gargantuan whales, uh, for lack of a better term, and uh, behind them, flying in their wake, these these strange monstrosities, ever-shifting, winged, spinning, flapping, and tumbling through the lake, their biology flowing like wax, these random chitinous limbs and bat-like wings extruding, almost at random, as needed, uh, these pinpoint yellow eyes covering their flesh-like scales so they can see in all directions at once. And just when you thought that they may fly past... They seem to zero in on you, and they are now flying towards you to attack. What do you do? Ah, beans. I forgot we were being attacked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I did not remember them. I think I remember seeing them. I do not remember (laughs) that we were going to be attacked. So we're in the paper boat, right? You are are in one of the boats. It's not a paper boat. It's it's a big, it's actually a relatively big wooden boat. Okay, I thought it was like light as paper. For some reason, I remember paper. It was light as paper, yeah. So essentially, you were able to push it just by almost thinking about it. And just Uh, through the power of thought, you're able to almost manipulate this thing. You just think down, and it starts floating downward to uh, the mirror image of this city above that you you found yourselves in. Well, with that, if it's the power of thought that got us here, then Cassandra thinking about the way that they were able to manipulate the ship she wants to just kind of like focus on evasion because these things are obviously massive and dangerous uh so as she's thinking about what to do she wants to think about this boat moving faster and faster to get away from them see if that does anything okay roll uh roll sanity oh perfect yeah you know I'm good with that one. I do. 21. 21 uh, was success. So yeah, you close your eyes and you concentrate and you try to think faster. You try to think serpentine. You try to think uh, some way to take some kind of evasive maneuver with this craft. And it just doesn't respond to you. Well, the um, one time, I, the one time my shitty sanity does not. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think the point is you have to be insane to think. Yeah, this no, is I know. Work. I know. That's it's. Um, the can we can we pause for a second? Um, sure. Inventory. Uh, did we still have our guns on us? So you you have my gun. Yeah, my I think gun. I have your gun. Yeah. But do I, did we still have that, or did we did that get taken away because of the? You still have your firearms. You, you still, still have, have our fire. Okay. You do. Yep. You still have your firearms. You still have JC Lindsay's bottle. Um, so I believe it was Geneva and Mark who were still armed. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, uh, Mark is going to uh, spend his time uh, uh, focusing on one of the creatures that's attacking us and aiming okay. 
not shooting it yet, hoping that somebody else will think of a better plan. But I believe if I if I spend time ahead of time, I can get a bonus to the attack. You certainly can. Yeah. yeah. With with aiming, I think I believe you get a twenty uh, percent bonus. Yeah. So I am I am aiming at one of them, just just like trying to pick out one of the many eyes uh, that I can see and and shoot that that if it gets close enough. Got it. Okay. okay. That's um, what I'm doing. Michael's arm does well, but I can't remember with what it was like a hammer, maybe a hammer. or. It was yeah. at a hammer. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was a hammer or like a big wrench. Yeah, Charlie uh, hooked you up with with a hammer to smash rats in the in the vents. Yeah, I I guess he'll <laughs> yeah, he hit a a whale with a hammer. <laughs> uh, something about that is hilarious to me. Um, yeah, I guess he'll like shore up his grip on the hammer and kind of like step away from the edge of the boat. Okay, Geneva, what do you do? I think how far away are they right now? They're they're closing distance, so I would say they're probably just within um, the the outside range of your pistol. Okay, then I think she's gonna follow Mark's cue and do the same with another one. Got it. Um, yeah, because a I don't I don't think she thinks that guns will be super effective here, <laughs> so she's hoping something else happens, but. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Um, so in that case... Is, can we use the talk as a reaction? Yeah, like absolutely. Short? I mean, absolutely. Mark, Mark's just going to call out, um, you know, based on, uh, you know, his FBI training, uh, you know. Uh, uh, focus on the one on the left. Yeah, she'll do that. All right. Awesome. Okay. So we're, so we're both aiming at that one. Hoping I'd to, say, yeah. as it's going on, that Michael, since... He's probably the closest to uh, Cassandra in proximity because she's kind of in the back, I imagine, and everyone else is sort of pushed to the front trying to aim their guns at this thing. Yep. Uh, would probably just hear her muttering about thought and uh, and uh, perception and just, is there something we could do to just unthink our way out of this? I mean, I've been trying to unthink my way out of this since it started, and it hasn't worked so well so far. We 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 brought this boat here. We we came here because our minds are touched. Maybe we can do something with them. I I've tried, and I can't I can't touch it. But maybe maybe one of you can. Cassandra, I think the reason that the boat moved is because whatever brought us here wanted it to. Well, then maybe can we can convince something to, 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 to undo whatever this is, to, to, to give us safe passage. As you're talking, these things are suddenly now within range, and one of them swoops down, aiming specifically for you, Cassandra, um, and takes a uh, attempts to claw you with this barbed claw-like appendage on the end of one of its wings. And I don't want that to happen. Oh, it misses with a, with a 69 out of 40. Nice. It misses. Um, it takes a swipe with this this god-awful shriek uh, that sounds like a cacophony of voices all screaming insanely in unison. It takes a swing at you and, and misses completely. And with that, um, do you want to make another sanity roll? See if you can start maneuvering this Yes, boat? yes. Go for it. Can I hit it with my hammer as it flies by? And- 
I mean, uh, I'm assuming ineffectual. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, but yep. So with a with Hell a yeah. seventy, with a seventy, I will say, uh, Cassie, you begin thinking faster, faster away, and the boat drops almost like an elevator that's had its cables cut, and you just latch on for dear life as this boat begins to sink faster and faster through the clouds. And the night flyers seem almost just as surprised as you are as this thing, all of a sudden their their quarry is now drifting further and further, faster and faster away from them. Um, I will say because of this sudden change in speed and momentum, uh, those of you who took the aim action ahead of time kind of lose that benefit because this boat is now sinking and whatever aim you had lined up is now uh, just completely uh, gone. But with that, um, we got a little bit more to go. So uh, dexterity-wise, that was Cassie. Uh, Geneva, you're up. Um, yeah, so the aiming uh, is pretty much over with, with the little maneuver we took. Yeah, you were ready. You, you, had, your, you had your sights lined up. You had your finger on the, tr- the trigger. You were gently kind of squeezing back, ready to take that shot. And then all of a sudden, this bow... And, and you just, it's an almost knee-jerk reaction as you kind of swing your arms out to the side to steady yourself. Um, so whatever aim you had is is gone, but you could try to just pop a shot off without without aiming. No, I don't think so. Because again, I don't think she thinks that, this is a weird place. I don't think guns are going to be as effective as we think here. Um, uh-huh. Can I also attempt, like seeing that what Cassandra just suggested seemed to have worked at least in some way, can I also attempt it? Yeah, go for it. Sweet. Sanity. Ah, dang. Yeah. Too sane. Yeah, too sane. Um, There are just these logical barriers that are still in place in conscious thought that are just quietly whispering to you that there is no way that this could work. There is no way that this boat is responding to thought. Uh, And so you can't seem to get out of your own way to try to exert some kind of influence or control over this vessel. Uh, but, okay. with, but with that, uh, Michael, you're up. Um, yeah, I think he takes a really ineffectual swing of his hammer, starts to before the boat kind of like drops out from, yeah. not out from under him, but like almost like an elevator, like a falling elevator situation. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, he yelps and scrambles around a little bit, looks at the hammer in his hand and the giant whale creatures. There's not a lot he can do, but I think he might also tried to follow Cassandra's lead to think the boat away. And I will say, it's not the, the just as a point of clarification, it's the whales that are attacking you. The whales just seem to be kind of moseying on their way through this oh, okay, lake. Cool. It's it's the these winged monstrosities that kind of follow in their wake um, that have now seemed to kind of fixate on the group in the boat and are now swarming down at you. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and roll roll sanity if you like. That's good, because I like whales, and I wouldn't want to hit one with a hammer. Of course not. Hey, there you go. <laughs> 96 out of 55. Um, what are you thinking? What is what is your thought? Um, Man. I think Michael's main thought is, like, absolutely nothing makes any fucking sense, and there's no point in holding on to any, like, expectation for things to go the way that you think that they should, or... Like, cause and effect seems to be completely fucking different to the way that he thought that it was supposed to work. So, yeah, he's just kind of letting it go and, like, you know what? And anything could work. 
anything and everything can work here, uh, as long as the thing that brought us here wants it to. Maybe it wants this to work. With no particular direction to your thought, and, and it seems like for the moment, your will has overpowered that of Cassandra's. Because uh, remember, in competing roles, highest, highest role wins, right? In this case. Um, so the boat directionless begins to spin. Oh, you wanted to know which direction I wanted it. Or no, no, no. Just, just if anything, like, like, are you thinking? What was the intent behind this thought? Yeah. Oh, faster. Down faster. Okay. Yeah. Um, It is now, (laughs) it is now falling so quickly that you literally have to wrap your arms around the, these benches within the boat to keep from being ejected from it completely. So actually, I need everybody to make athletics or strength checks, whichever nice. is higher. Nice. Oof, my strength sucks. Okay, 29 out of 45 for Cassandra. That's good. 16 out of 60 for Mark. Also good. Uh, 42 out of 60 for Geneva. And 7 oh. out of 60 for Michael. Nice job. You all are lucky. Uh, you managed to secure your arms around these benches and Cassie, you peer an, a, a wary eye over the edge of the boat and you see that ground getting frighteningly close as this boat continues to just plummet uh, towards the ground. What do you do? Um, This might be... Well, do so, I get a, a chance oh, to yeah, Mark Oh yeah, Oh yeah, Mark, yep, you absolutely do. I apologize. All right, so Mark... Uh, seeing all this crazy stuff going on around him uh, and uh, wondering how it is that Cassie um, and Michael are are able to control this boat uh, without seeming to do anything physical to do it uh, catches a bit of inspiration and um, grabs his uh, mining helmet like one of the few things I have here takes it off and throws it uh, towards the the creatures that are following us. As I throw it, I am going to think to myself that I want this helmet to expand big enough to capture these creatures and stop them from following us. Okay, uh, roll sanity. All right. Uh, I mean, that just seems like something that would happen in one of my dreams. I don't know. Right, yeah. It's worth we'll a see. Shot. Ah, but I was successful in my sanity yeah. roll. With the 57 and a 66, the helmet just, you throw it, and you can see the, the, the beam of light still emitting from the the electric lamp on, on the outside as it just kind of spirals harmlessly through the fog. Uh, these night flyers attempt to close the distance and, and even with their speed, find it difficult to get within striking distance with how fast this boat is moving. Uh, I would say all of you, especially those who have found themselves in control of the boat, uh, you've essentially got one attempt left before this thing is going to collapse on the cobblestones below or collide with the cobblestones below. So Cassie, you're up. Uh, as the wind, the speed is just whipping her hair around her face, and she's looking 
at these things flying above and then seeing them creeing closer to what you said cobblestones like a like a like a cobblestone street yep okay um and did we dive below the surface of the water so that's the thing there was never any water it just seemed to be this mist this fog okay that's what that's right that's right yeah um she thinks about the symbol she thinks about all the things that she's seen and focuses and she just says and with her mind she just says take us to the king and just kind of focuses on uh, and she says take us there safely um and so her, her basically her thought is just to get us to the court the king's court whatever it might be safely okay go ahead and roll sanity what with well, a 17 out of 33 that boat does not slow it does not change course it continues to drop um, I, I, would, I would say that uh, she would have said get us to the king's court safely out loud so that everyone else could have heard her okay alright Geneva um shoot um Are those wing, wingy thingies still coming after us? They are, but it seems to be with less uh, intent than before. They seem to uh, still be kind of following the boat's progress down, but they are getting smaller and smaller as you kind of drop further and further. Okay. Because I don't know that she would attempt the mind thing again. Got it. Since it didn't work for her and she's a little less like Cassie in terms of trying that kind of stuff out. So sure. Um, I think for her, it's more about bracing for impact and how we can we um, do the least amount of damage as possible. Me as a player, I have no clue, but I'm assuming she would have some kind of like emergency training to know something that she can try. <laughs> so... With this, it's pretty much you're just along for the ride. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once you hit, it's not going to be good. So with that, yeah, Michael. Oh, yeah, I guess I don't know if well, that would count as her like thinking, like her psychic powers, like unintentionally. But that is what her mind is like racing, trying to figure out like how do we survive this when this impacts? How do we? mitigate as much damage as possible to our our precious bones that are about to snap <laughs> precious precious bones pick one word that your that your mind is is focusing on right now one word um i mean i guess safe is the most accurate summary of all of those thoughts okay all right go ahead and roll sanity okay Nope, too too sane. Still 30 out of 43, still too sane. Can't wait until we fail all of these sand rules later. Right, right, <laughs> yep, it's coming. Uh, Michael, what's the plan? I don't know, Vince. Um, I guess he'll, seeing as how, I mean, like, it didn't work uh, because plummeting to his death was definitely not what he wanted, uh, but it had an effect what Cassandra did so he'll yeah he'll think I think he'll just think I don't want to die I don't want to die I don't want to die over and over and over again got it okay 
Roll, roll that sweet sand roll. Man, my roll 20 is lagging today. 54 to 55. That's a success. <laughs> what a fuck you of a success, too. Yes. <laughs> Mark. Just a little too sane. Yeah, roll All 20 right. heard me talking shit. I think Mark Mark is still thinking of this just in terms of, of a dream. That's like the only thing that he can relate to uh, as inaccurate. far as this goes. Yeah. And um, this happens a lot in his dreams, you know, where he, he knows he can do something, but he tries to do it and he can't. And he just has to keep on trying it over and over again until it works. Uh, and so... Um, Mark is going to think uh, I hope the airbags work. Okay. Roll uh, roll sanity. <laughs> okay. Come on, Mark. Come on. Oh, 23. <laughs> 23 out of 66. We're all going to die. You you all watch i mean if you can you are now moving so fast that there's a gravity is exerting a force over you as you try to just peer out over the side of this boat and see what awaits you at the bottom and just when you think you are going to impact the boat slams to a stop its motion suddenly halted and suspended and inches if that from the street below. I'll say you all take maybe a point of damage as your bodies are just suddenly racked with just the, the pain of impacting the bottom of this boat being rocked with the sudden cessation of all momentum and movement. Um, but the boat is stopped. The cloud lake is above. There's no sign of those whales or those winged things following them. And do you find that you can safely exit the boat and step out onto the street below? However, I will ask everyone to make constitution rolls. That's that's got to fuck with your knees or something, right? (laughs) Or your stomach, at least. Yeah, right. All right. Yes. Oh, my gosh. All right, 58 out of 75 for Cassie, 58 out of 75 for Mark, 29 out of 60 for Michael, and 70 out of 85 for Geneva. You you feel your stomach revolt and, and begin to tumble and turn and churn with just having been moved so violently and now all of a sudden coming to a dead stop and it, it threatens to expel whatever might be in there. Uh, but thankfully, you you swallow, you steady yourself, and uh, you are able to kind of come back to your senses and regain your footing without evacuating everything in your body at this moment. I imagine it's kind of like being hit by an invisible car. Yeah. And it's... like, there's a, definitely this moment where Cassandra, uh, when it when there's that impact of non-impact she kind of like whips her she like is like thrown to the floor of the boat kind of slapping the back of her head against the bench uh, just kind yeah. of as she's laying there just 
feeling the safety or I guess the relative safety uh, of not being, uh, not, you know, descending to our deaths. So what do you do? Mark so we're on gun. like a street, like a stone, a cobblestone street thing. Yeah. Like what's the surroundings? So as you, as you finally, it, your vision clears and you kind of regain, uh, some sense of focus, the vertigo passes, you realize that you're at the bottom of the lake, the fog above drifting away until the sky is clear, revealing black stars above. You realize you're in a twin of the city above, the city that you had found yourselves in upon climbing those stairs into unconsciousness and onto the banks of the cloud lake. You're surrounded by a city that has somehow been restored to its former beauty compared to the ruin and destruction above. The architecture is alien and beautiful. Has a familiar Victorian or Belle Epoque feel with cobblestone streets, wooden shutters, iron railings. Even as you look, though, there's something unsettling about this skyline about this city it undulates it ripples it shifts you can see that there are these huge bulbed towers of the palace hanging above the city it looms as if it were close but clearly it is far across the city but you are here in Yatil I think the king took pity on us uh as soon as the boat has stopped moving and he's capable of movement, Michael is going to, like, panic scramble off of the boat uh, and, like, fault all fours on the cobblestones and vomit for a second. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra is less quick. She's more like, kind of like, um, like Sadako from the ring, just sort of, like, climbing out with her hair down above her, uh, across her face, just sort of crawling out onto the pavement and then just staying there on her hands and knees. Mark uh, jumps out of the boat and uh, goes over to uh, Cassandra. Um, Y'all alright? I think that's... um, I think we're as alright as I'm gonna be. Uh, Did you do that? Uh, With the boat? I think we did that. And she looks over at Michael, who I guess is vomiting still, or... Um, I don't think he has a lot of stuff in his stomach other than that gross alcohol. Uh, but he's like still down on all fours, kind of like, I guess, gagging. Dry even. Yeah, Cassandra will use Mark to help get to her feet. Uh, and what's, what's Shadiva looking like right now? Um, she was probably setting herself on the boat as well for a second, but also keeping her eyes up, making sure that those monster thingies aren't still... Like, they seem to be backing off a little bit, and they're very far away, but she just wants to confirm that they are no longer a threat. I'd say that Cassandra's looking in the opposite direction towards the towers, towards whatever looks like the palace. I, I reckon that's where we need to go. While we're here, we should just do it. We should just walk. Hey, we didn't come all this way to knock on the gates and leave. Geneva? Michael? 
Are you coming? Yeah, uh, just to confirm, those things are no longer a threat really quick. They're not still coming towards us? Yeah, they're gone. Okay, perfect. So that that entire cloud lake seems to have just kind of dissipated like a fog being burned off in the morning sun. And you no longer see the whales. You no longer see those things. You no longer see the clouds above. It's almost as if you just fell from the sky. And all you see is, is that strange twilight in between sky with the black stars. Okay, she'll go uh, help Michael to his feet. Let's get this over with. So as you all begin walking, you notice that the palace doesn't seem to get any closer or any further. It seems almost held in place. And the city around you, for all intents and purposes, appears to be abandoned. On you pass doorways that seem to kind of waver in an unseen current. And from the corner of your eye, you turn to regard a nearby shuttered window or a window with the shutters open. And it looks like those windows cascade off into infinity, into oblivion. This strange, almost dreamlike quality is, is unsettling. I need everybody to roll sanity. Here they come. Here it comes. There's the failures. Hey, (laughs) all right. Hey, look at me. Hey. Hey, nice. Uh, So a 49. Oh, nice. A 49 out of 43 for Geneva. I need you to roll 1d6. A 24 out of 33 for Cassie. You lose one. A 46 out of 55 for Michael. You lose one. And an 11 out of 66 for Mark. You lose one. Uh, Geneva, with that two out of one d six, you only lose two sanity. Sweet, man, my sanity is so much higher than I thought it was. We got to dump back for something, right? You did. Yep. Upon uh, finding the bottle and arriving in Carcosa, yeah. Uh, But as you move, you see that on kind of plastered walls and lampposts, there's this poster written in a Cyrillic-like alphabet. Uh, None of you speak Russian or anything close to it, but even then it doesn't look quite Russian. Um, Some of these posters actually have this blood red symbol painted across them. Three curved lines that look almost like a crashing wave. Is it a symbol any of us have seen before? It is not. Okay. Sounds cool. Do you take a closer look at the poster? Does anybody? Yeah, I will. Do you want to know what it says? I, I will try to read it if I can. <laughs> so go ahead and roll. Let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll for you. Okay. So. Okay. You look at the you look at the. You look at it and you, you you think that for a moment you can make sense of what it's saying. That you can make sense of the script, that, it, that it, it's speaking to something in you. And, and even though it's a language you've never seen or experienced before, uh, you might know what it means. But suddenly you find yourself trapped in this feedback loop. And your head just rings with pain 
almost like a bad migraine that's all of a sudden just descended upon you in the matter of seconds. Uh, I need you to go ahead and roll 1d4. Four. You lose four sanity. You love to see it. Yep. Um, and try as you might, you you just... You can't even think clearly in English. Yeah, I'd say that there's a weird moment that she begins speaking in a language that she doesn't even know, calling out for some help from the others. Um, oh, you may think it's it's a language to everybody else. It is gibberish. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's she thinks she, well, she thinks she's speaking plain English. She thinks she's yeah. speaking to them to communicate to help, but to everyone else, it's it's gibberish it's, it means nothing uh, but her body language is at least expressive enough to where she's clawing at mark's chest bearing uh, her head into his chest and like visibly shuddering at the pain that's like racking in her skull uh michael takes a few quick steps back uh mark uh, mark grabs a hold of cassie's shoulders and pulls her closer to him uh, which uh, he hopes would have the effect of uh, stopping her from hitting him hard, at least, even though he's probably going to take some clawing. I will say, if it, in order to communicate or understand anything anyone is saying, uh, you'll need to spend one willpower per sentence or concept. Dang. I can only say three sentences then. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Whoa. Yikes. <laughs> Are you out of willpower? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I gotta make these really. Uh, I gotta be really um, dis- uh, decisive about how I use this because um, <laughs> I I think Mark instinctively uh, seeing uh, Cassie looked at this when she had this reaction. He's he's trying to uh, pull her into him and shield her eyes from from this poster. And he looks over at it to see what might have caused this reaction in her. And Mark's going to try and interpret the poster. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and roll sanity. Yikes. Okay. Oh my gosh. That could be good though, right? That could be good. Um, Bumble. (laughs) 100%. Double zeros. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, with that, uh, let's see. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I wasn't, you weren't supposed to roll sanity. My apologies. Oh, okay. Yep. I screwed up. So I have to roll, uh, your corruption rating. So, uh, I didn't know I had the corruption rating. Oh, you didn't word. You do. Oh, oh, (laughs) oh, the same thing happened. The same thing happens to you. You try to make sense of these words, and for a moment, you think you may almost be able to will a meaning out of that text. And immediately, it's like somebody has just clapped two bricks on either side of your head, and you recoil from this sudden, almost psychic feedback. And the closest you can think of is it's a stroke, and you just lose all ability to think, to comprehend in English, I need you to go ahead and roll 1d4. Jeepers. Oh, that's a four. Man. You lose four sanity. Okay. And I love the idea of a party of people, one after the other, watching their friends go insane trying to read a poster and then trying to read the poster. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
I will say if you want to spend two willpower right now, and Cassie, if you want to spend three, uh, you can kind of will yourself out of this. Mark is the state fairly the- strong, willed. Uh, I think he is he is going to spend two to to try and try and force through. Okay, uh, knowing that this this thing is endangering uh, him and Cassie and probably the others. Take two. Is, take two willpower. Right. Is the the like the, the psychic pain constant as well, or is it just the gibberish and the incoherence? Just the gibberish and incoherence. Okay, then I'm gonna wait. Then is this is this a standing offer, or is this like you have to use it now? This is a standing offer, so okay. you'll you'll either you can either spend three now, or um, you spend one willpower per sentence or concept that you need to comprehend or relate to your fellow agents. Okay. All right, but I I just spent two. So you're good. And you're good. and, and I, I I think yeah, um, yeah. So so Mark uh, flinches as he looks at the poster, but then uh, he forces himself to look back, um, knowing that this thing could could be hurting his friends. And that's the thing. It's not just this poster. There are so many more like it. Just again on almost every street corner, on wrapped around lampposts, some have this this these three waves, uh, some don't. It, it's it, this posters everywhere. Was it three waves or three lines like a wave? Three lines like a wave. Oh, okay, okay, cool. So it looks like one wave or three waves, or maybe th- could be three waves, I guess. So yeah, I mean, it really kind of potato potato, right? Um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, it's a three curved lines that that look like a crashing wave. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what do, like, what do I glean from this paper poster that I forced myself to look at? You you gleaned nothing. Hey, uh, maybe we stop looking at that. Wait, but I spent the will willpower points. Oh no! So that was just to be able to comprehend and speak in English <laughs> again. Uh, again. Oh. Oh, because yeah. otherwise you would be speaking gibberish, and every and whatever anybody else was saying to you would be gibberish. And for a moment, like when you hear that, when you hear Michael speak to you, the first few words just do not make any sense to you. Until the last few almost kind of come back to you, your comprehension of English returns to you, and you're able to parse out what it was he was saying. When, the only when, words you hear are uh, maybe we look at this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. When when um when when I when that happened to me, did what Cassie was saying start to make sense? No. Oh no no. Oh yeah. Crap. Okay. E- equally gibberish. M- Michael, you can you can speak in tongues. What? I'm. You, you were speaking in tongues just before, and Cassie's probably still uh, every now and then gibbering, gibbering, isn't she? Yeah, in her mind, she's watching you and Michael talk back and forth in this weird, uh, incomprehensible language, and she's screaming at both of you, like, "Why are you talking like this?" Confused, but you would just hear her speaking in, I guess, what would sound like tongues to you, or. Yeah, I, he he points points to Cassie as she's she's agitated. He says, "Like, 
Like that, but... I mean, you were doing it too. No, I don't think that was me doing it. I think that... I don't know. You might have scrambled your brain for a second there. I was just talking in English. Uh, no, you, that's not how it know? works. You see, the Lord speaks through you in a in a divine language. I've heard this before. I don't think the Lord is with us right now, to be perfectly honest. I think it's something else, someone else, if you want to personify it at all. Geneva, did was I speaking in English? or You were um, speaking in English. Okay. But probably Mark, uh, for a second, was, was speaking in tongues. I don't think you said anything, did you? Yeah, I guess I didn't say anything, really. Um, we got to figure out a way to get Cassandra to stop screaming. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, she can't. Uh, we tried talking. I, I tried talking to her to try and calm her down, but I imagine that doesn't work. I'll say that seeing your body language, which is usually not threatening and seeing that you're actively trying to soothe her, she's going to use that as an anchor to bring herself back down to whatever state of being everyone else is mentally, uh, and I will spend the willpower to get back uh, the ability to speak. Got it. Okay, so yeah, expend three willpower, which I believe brings you to zero. Oh, it does. Okay, and good to know. What does that do again? Right now, nothing. <laughs> nice. Oh, we're because we're in some place that going to zero willpower doesn't affect you negatively. Because normally you sleep or something, I think. But I don't. Normally think you, you can go catatonic. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think uh, Mark's just talking. Whoa, whoa, Cassie, just. Just hang on a tick. This can you is... can you hear me? Can you? Hey, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I can hear thank, you now. Thank God you were. Yeah, I. I think you're right, Michael. I. Maybe that's. Maybe that's not from him. Yeah, and maybe we don't try to read the poster that makes us. Uh, scream and gibberish at each other anymore. Hmm. I honestly think we should try and enter. I know this is maybe against our way of normally doing things, but it seems like interacting with stuff here is not a good idea. I, I mean, I almost had it. Had what? That, that poster. I'm sure of it. It is, it is the key to finding the palace. Uh, I mean, Michael, we've been we've been walking for a little bit now. Is it getting any closer? It is not. And you notice that some, mainly almost all of the streets that would take you in the direction towards the palace are completely just closed off by rubble. It appears that after a certain point, the city devolves into what is, for all intents and purposes, a war zone, mm. and almost like a, a, a third world or you know, Eastern European country that mm -hmm. is just have completely been bombarded. And looking about, you kind of surmise that you more than likely will have to probably navigate through some of the nearby apartment buildings to try to get around these blockades. 
so despite what Michael uh, had previously said, he's... It's almost like that thing where it's like when you're trying not to think about something, you think about it. Right. Uh, he's going to glance over at the poster and take a look at it. Okay. You trying to understand it? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All <laughs> right. I got willpower for days. Well, Just kidding. No, I don't. Well, so... You all are gluttons for punishment, man. Let me tell you. But in this case, (laughs) in this case, so (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Brett, go on your, on your character sheet under foreign language, write Tartesian. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give you the spelling here. Um, And take 20%. 20% of what? In that skill. Oh, okay, sure. And you understand it. And it says, very simply, the soldier of Yatil is the guarantor of victory. Huh. I don't know why you guys thought this was so hard to read. It just says the soldier of Yatil is the guarantor of victory. Well, you can pretty clear. It, it makes yeah. sense to you. Yeah. And you know it's Tartesian. It's... And he stops and thinks about it for a sec. Tartesian, I guess? Huh. What is that? I don't know. A language? You don't know a language you know. Yeah. <laughs> Does that really surprise you? I guess not. It's not the strangest thing that's happened to us today. No, I thought my fiance was a demon for a while. So that was pretty weird, too. She probably still is. Yeah, maybe. Let's deal with one problem at a time. Yeah. Oh, this is Yatil. Just like they wrote about it in the postcard. Yeah. Maybe. What, um... I'm going to pull out the postcard again. There's a there's a name on the front. Can I read it? It looks like it's like starts with a J, but Oh no, I think that's just the uh the art. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um but no, that's that is what it looks like, but yeah, I don't think that name There's no significance to it. I don't believe so. No. Okay. Never mind that. Well, uh, Cassandra pulls out the the, the postcard uh, at the mention of Yatil. 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 I'm guessing on that one. Sounds as good yeah. a guess as any. <laughs> uh, at Yatil, and turns it over and reads the passage out loud again. Uh, Dearest M, made the crossing with a strange little man called Mosby. All is well. The towers of gold are magnificent, and Yatil is a wonder. Say hello to V for me. Abigail is here. Wish you were. You said that these towers are gold, right? Or are they like a different color? Yeah, they're they're um, very opulent. Broke. Well, unless someone here thinks that they can move a bunch of rubble with their mind, I, I, we're going to have to figure out a different way to get there. Maybe we could cut through one of those buildings worth a shot 
you know, it's never going to be, it's never going to feel right the way that we talk about these things and it's natural. I don't really think it matters how we talk about these things. You know? Unless it matters to you, I guess. No, I just... It, just the mention of moving things with your mind and, and, and being here and... You know, I, it's just nothing that seems real when you talk about it. You know, it's, it's a thing that you read in, in science fiction books and in comic books and movies. I'm honestly not really sure any of this is real. So I've just kind of been treating it that way. Anything is possible, probably nothing's real. I think I might be, like, at the scene of a car accident or something, like, bleeding out my last breaths on pavement somewhere. That's my best guess. Yeah. Well, Mark, you had an idea? I guess not. Mark? Oh, yeah, look, that building over there, it looks like if we cross through inside, we might might be able to get closer. Cassandra will shrug and just start to walk in that direction. Go ahead and roll sanity. All of us, or? Uh, we'll just say Cassie, because she's kind of leading the way. Okay. Come on now. Okay. Let's see. Uh, boo. You lose one sanity as you attempt to move, and it seems like you're 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 sent back twenty years earlier to the night floors, and the entire world seems to shift around you to thwart your movement. Do it? Does it feel like I? It's like it's a hallucination or something like it's, I say a visual representation of it or it's just like a physical sensation that almost, almost a bit of both. Like you, you find yourself walking towards this building and, and it feels, you know, what direction you're going in, but suddenly you just find yourself standing in front of one of these blockades of rubble, unable to move any further. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra stands in front of it, having just seen this flash of one of the hallways, remembering the men with the gas mask and the shotgun, remembering seeing Michael's face in the void, uh, just stands there in front of it, shell, essentially shell-shocked. Uh, her eyes are wide and her hands are twitching at her side. You good? I can't move. What do you mean, can't? I, I thought about getting into the building and I just saw the night floors. I just saw... Uh, I saw the past, and it it's led me here, and I can't move from it right now. I can't move on from it. Cassie, I, I know we haven't known each other for very long, so it doesn't really matter what I say or what I think, but just let it all go. It's going to hurt less when it happens that way. I'm trying to. Go ahead and roll another sanity roll for me, Cassie. I swear to fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Literally, this entire game, this entire game, I probably be shit for sanity. You have twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> this is. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you snap out of it, but you, you again, you try to move, and and 
it just you try to make your way to that door and once again it's further away than when you started and you get no closer to the building no closer to the doorway no closer to the entrance am i like We're, back with the others though yeah still okay. it, it's almost like to them it looks like you haven't moved but like to you it's almost as if someone has placed more cobblestones in the street to lengthen it to make it longer and to essentially increase the distance you must cross to get to the doorway that you were so intent on reaching. Spooky. Someone else needs to go. I think Geneva might try it. Go for it. Because <laughs> I'm it. real bad at rolling these, so I'm hoping yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that pattern sticks. So I think what she's going to do is she's just going to try to visualize herself like opening the door and walking inside as she moves and she's okay. going to attempt it. Go for it. Yeah, there's that classic cami roll. Yep, with a 63 and a 41. You have no issue reaching the door and the others you watch as, as Geneva just kind of almost nonchalantly crosses the street on, on this side of the blockade over to the entrance to this apartment building and swings open the door. Are they with me or are they back where I left them? The, I, unless they're following you, like they, they watch as you go do this. So they, they should be able to follow your lead if they choose to. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Michael would follow her lead. Uh, he would look at Cassie, shake his head, sigh a little bit and then follow after Geneva. Uh, Cassandra would actually look at Mark who is still, I, he's still here with her, right? Yeah. Yep. But Mark, Mark is, Mark is kind of, uh, you know, indicating that he's he's going to follow as well. He's looking expectantly at Cassie to see if she's she's going to go go with him. Yeah, I'd say that she's still facing the blockade, and she turns her head around to him and sees that she's just broken, and uh, she's extending her hand to his. It's trembling. It's if like she wants it to be held. Mark uh, picks up her hand and he says, don't worry. Uh, we'll get through this. I promise. But we gotta go. And he starts uh, pulling her in the direction of the door. Not like dragging her, but just gently guiding her. Am I able to follow them? or You are. And you all find yourselves inside a dimly lit hallway. Uh, definitely an apartment building. You see two doors on either side, a staircase leading up. Uh, smells musty. You can smell the dust in the air. Uh, the smell of recently cooked and also rotting food kind of drifting through the hallways. Uh, you don't hear much. You hear it could be the sounds of the building settling or the wind in the eaves, but you step inside. Are we back in the night floors? No, no, no. Looks oh, thank no goodness. Yeah, it looks nothing like the night floors. This is uh, just a kind of very nondescript, almost uh, brutalist Soviet-style tenement building. Just very plain doors on either side, a very plain linoleum floor. Very austere. 
Very austere, yeah. Uh, a single dimly lit flickering bulb kind of just casting, almost making the darkness worse in the areas where the light isn't. So based on the direction that I remember the towers were in when we were outside, um, Mark's going to uh, try and walk in that direction inside. So you would have to go, it looks like you would have to go into an apartment. Um, yeah. Are there several to choose from? There are. And there's also, you could also go up potentially to the roof, try to get across on the roof. Uh, there's a number of different options you could, you could attempt. Is, are there stairs? Can I see stairs from where I am? Oh yeah. Yep. There's a stairwell. Um, Mark you know, looks up and down the hall. He sees the stairs and he says, and Jacob left Beersheba for uh, t- to set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What do y'all say? We Should we take the stairs? Cassandra actually looks at Geneva, since she seems to be the one who's the most able to navigate things so far. <laughs> um, Geneva probably thinks what just happened was pure luck, <laughs> and there's nothing particular about her for why it worked. I think she's... More so than usual, she's kind of standing back and willing to just follow. Um, Based on my memory of how the previous session went for her, I think she had like a breakdown or, you know, a mental... um, She had like a freeze or... She had something that happened. And so I think she's still kind of recovering that and she's not stepping forward and taking the lead as much as she usually might. So when Mark asks that, she makes no indication that she like disagrees. More just like a... Yeah, might as well kind of look to her. Yeah, seeing uh, seeing Geneva just sort of agree, uh, Cassandra will nod her, hair, nod her head and uh, and say, okay, okay. Mark looks at Michael and says, when there's a ladder in front of you, Michael, you climb. And he starts walking towards the stairs. Uh, Michael is like white knuckle gripping that hammer uh and yeah i think it's kind of like you can see him vacillating between like sheer terror and like utter calm uh like most of it sometimes he's able to convince himself that it's not real and it doesn't matter and then his like instinctual actual cowardice uh reminds him that he's a little baby and he's super scared um but yeah he takes a he takes a deep breath uh, and kind of watches Geneva and waits for her to do something so that he can follow her. So I will say you won't need to make another sand roll while you're in this building. Uh, so you can kind of explore, kind of get a feel for the, the surroundings, whatever, kind of pick a direction you want to go in. There are no windows in this part of the building, so if you wanted to kind of see and orient yourself on how to get around the, this first blockade... Uh, in the street to kind of continue making your way closer to the palace, at least in its direction, you you would likely need to duck into an apartment. Yeah, I mean, if there if there looks like there's kind of a 
a weaving path or like there's some sort of connective path that leads us closer to the towers than I think Sandra would she wouldn't lead the charge there but she would point certain certain paths out to the others to see if they would go that way well that's if you, if you uh, are you going into an apartment to look out a window because there are no windows in this part of the building oh that's what I meant yeah yeah so she would be going up to one of the apartments to see if she could find one of those paths and then point it out to the others do you, so are you does that are you going into one yes <laughs> got it. Okay. Okay. Got it. Is, is Cassandra um, still holding uh, Mark's hand? I'd say once she feels like she doesn't have to use her mind to okay. talk or walk, she would relax and and you know. All right, but time. as Cassandra approaches the door, Mark's right behind her. Okay. Yeah. So Cassandra, you open this door and it's it's unlocked. In fact, it's almost it's slightly ajar, uh, as if it hasn't been closed all the way. Um, and you kind of gently push a hand against it and it swings open on its hinges. And you step into uh, kind of just an, a small average apartment. There's about three small rooms with these tall, thin windows. A simple washroom with a hole in the, in the tile instead of a toilet. Uh, and it looks like it's it's been cleared out in a hurry. Uh, drawers have been thrown open. Some are resting on the floor with various garments kind of cast about as uh, someone, it appears, was kind of just throwing whatever they could get their hands on into something before scrambling out. Um, the There's furniture kind of strewn all over the place. It looks like some chairs in the dining room have been knocked back, which is just off the kitchen. Uh, there's a note in that familiar Cyrillian script, uh, Cyrillian-style script kind of nailed to the wall on the inside. Uh, what do you do? She, as soon as she sees that, she turns her head away. Um, she ain't trying to read that no more. Um, but yeah, she just wants to see if there's any anything in here that would give any indication of how they can move forward. So moving if, to the to the window, it looks like you could actually, especially in the window in the bathroom, you're only on the second floor. So it looks like you could safely drop out onto the street below and kind of be past this this first blockade to continue making your way through the city. Okay, yeah. She'll open the window as much as she can uh, and look at Mark and if the others are with there with their, uh, the others and say, this takes us beyond the blockade. Yeah, what are the others doing? I mean, Mark's just right behind her. He's probably at this point looking out the window too and, and can see the truth of what she's saying. Uh, Michael might take a look at the note. If it's it's Tartesian, right? It is. Yep. And it yeah. says, "Gone to meet Mama and Dory at the farm." Huh. That sounds oddly normal. What's Geneva doing? I think just still following. I yeah. I don't think she has any uh, thought to do anything different than whoever is deciding to lead is going at the moment. I think she's still recovering from everything. Fair enough. So with that, uh, I'm assuming following Cassie's lead, uh, it's relatively easy to kind of look, kind of bring yourself out onto the windowsill. And it it is a little bit of a tight fit. This is a very narrow window, Uh, but you kind of, you know, settle, settle your ass on the sill and then kind of slowly lower yourself and drop down to the cobblestone below. There's a little bit of an impact. I mean, especially with your, you know, the ages that you all now find yourselves in, 
it, it definitely shocks the knees a bit, uh, the lower back, possibly oh. even more so. Mark's got some rope, so ah, at least, at least yeah. most of us. That's right. Yeah. You do have the rope left over from, uh, so yeah, you can easily uh, fashion a makeshift, uh, or not even a makeshift, you can just lower the rope down and mm-hmm. uh, lower yourself shimmy. down. Yeah, shimmy, shimmy on down. Yeah, I think the last person will probably have to jump, but. Well, since, yeah, I mean, like Geneva and Michael are younger than us, right? They are. Yeah. Age before beauty. So, yeah, well, Cassandra <laughs> and Mark will go down first. Okay. And we'll say for the purposes of brevity, uh, relatively easy for you all. Again, it's only the second floor. Relatively easy for you all to get down to the cobblestone uh, street below. But, uh it isn't long before you reach another blockade. Uh, again, this rubble seems to be everywhere. Uh, this time, it's actually a collapsed building that seems to have kind of just, its facade completely fractured and crumbled down into the street. But if you want to continue, someone's going to have to make one of those sanity rolls. <laughs> Love it. I can do it. All right, go for it. Come on. Did it ask you for... Oh, there we go. Hey, all right. There's these failures that we've been waiting for. 73 to 54. You kind of... Your gaze falls on another apartment building. And this seems to be definitely like a residential kind of tenement block type area um, where there's an apartment building on every corner. And kind of getting a feel for the city and making your way through... You, you know, this this is another good spot to potentially make yourself, you know, make your way around this 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 obstacle, this obstruction. Uh, so you you effortlessly make your way to the door, open it, and it's almost a mirror image of the last one. Only this time, uh, there's a door standing open on your left, and you can actually hear sounds of activity from inside. What kinds of activity? Uh, it seems like quiet conversation, chatter. Cassandra will try to go towards the door, just to see if she can see who's talking. So as you move closer to the door, uh, you can't exactly see. Like if you're just peering through, you can you just kind of see shadows moving. She's about. more interested in the. Yeah, she she's actually more interested in the dialogue. She she wants to know what they're talking about, if possible. It is it is in a language you don't understand. It is it is vaguely um, Eastern European, Slavic, maybe. Okay. Do any of you speak any kind of Slavic languages? I, I mean, Michael understands it if he's listening. Yeah, because the uh, Tartesian is the writing is like Cyrillic. Oh, right. yeah, gotcha, gotcha. correct. Yeah, and you—it's tough to to make out. And again, you're not fluent by any stretch of the imagination. You can kind of parse out reading. The spoken word is a little bit more difficult. Uh, but from what you can you can tell, you hear past the sugar. Uh, it sounds like someone's having a meal. They're just asking to pass the sugar. I think. Could we knock? Maybe we just introduce ourselves, yeah. Cassandra will knock. You hear a voice, uh, a woman's, 
come from inside, slightly muffled. Uh, again, you don't understand it, but Michael, it sounds it sounds like either enter or come in. Either way, an invitation to enter the apartment. Yeah, uh, they asked us to come in. Do we go in? I mean, what else are we going to do, right? Yeah, let's just go in. You step inside, and you're immediately hit with the smell of cordite, burnt gunpowder, and blood. So thick you can almost taste it. Ooh, that took a turn. <laughs> and you looked into these the center room, this main room in the apartment, and you notice that there are these three chairs that seem to have been dragged to the center. Pools of blood and brain matter scattered around them. There's a table knocked over, bullet holes in the walls and ceiling. But then you turn and you see three people gathered around a small table just off the kitchen. One silhouette is vaguely female, the other male, the other decidedly a child. Each one has a blood-stained pillowcase over their head marked by a bullet hole and muzzle burn, slick with blood and brains. And it appears they are sitting down for tea. There's saucers and cups, and uh, the, the female figure appears to be uh, pouring tea from a small pot into the cup for the child and the cup for the, uh, the male. And they look up and regard you behind from behind these bloody, wet pillowcases that obscure all of their features. Uh, one of them, the, the, the male, says something, and Michael, you, you instinctively know that it's a greeting. It's a, it's a hello. Uh, I, actually need, I actually need everybody to roll sanity. Yeah, I was like, I think Michael would be sense. way too shocked to translate that for everyone. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Yeah. So Doug with a seventy-four to sixty-one needs you to roll one d four. Geneva with a twenty-one out of forty-one, you lose one. Cassie with a seventy-one out of twenty-seven needs you to roll one d four. And Michael with a thirteen out of fifty-three, you lose one. So Mark, you lose three, and Cassie, you lose two. Love it. What do you do? Mark just uh, jumps and uh, and recoiled backwards as he as he sees this scene. Hello. Yeah, what there's the... a mo. Sorry. No, I, I, that he was just saying what the. Yeah, there's a moment where uh, Cassandra looks at the family uh, with, with the bullet holes. Uh, and the pillowcases and it's not too shocking at first until she looks at the young boy vaguely yeah yeah uh, the vaguely young uh, boy and she's just kind of instantly reminded of Bradley Jr. and uh, recoils a bit covers her mouth with her hand is the blood fresh or is it like very fresh yeah yeah that, that would set her over the edge uh, you speak uh, English? Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh huh. Uh, please come in. We are just uh, sitting down to have tea. Uh, you will join us. It's always good to have guests. Uh, Michael looks at Geneva and frantically shakes his head. <laughs> Sorry, I was taking a bite of something. Um, Geneva 
I think she hesitates. But like at this point, what the fuck else are they gonna do? It's kind of she's kind of slowly adopting that Michael uh, mindset of well, it doesn't it doesn't matter what the hell. So I think she she's gonna go sit down. Uh, the uh, the male says, from what you can tell from behind the pillowcase says, uh, uh, I, "I am Lamarck. This is my wife, and yet, and uh, this is our boy, Bissar." Uh, when Geneva goes and sits down at the table, Michael will let out like a little, just a little tiny one. You probably wouldn't hear it unless you were pretty close to him, like almost like a whine. Um, and then slowly follow her over. But he is gripping that hammer. And uh, sure enough, the one uh, Lamarck pointed out as Annette uh, pours, grabs another cup and saucer from the small little kitchenette in this very small apartment. Uh, sets it in front of you and pours uh, what appears to be hot tea right into the right into the cup. Uh, would you like uh, milk or sugar? No, just plain is fine. Thank you. Of course. If you don't mind my asking, what brings you to Yatil? I think what? we're looking for an audience with the king. Ah, you were here for the masquerade. Yes. Oh, only uh, only the most uh, prominent citizens in the city get invitations to those. I'm afraid uh, ours got lost in the mail, and they they all kind of even the child they'll chuckle a little bit. Um, a very a very unsettling image, considering they're all still wearing these blood-stained pillowcases with the bullet holes in them. We have an invitation, actually. Ah, you hear that, Annette? We are dining with royalty. Cassandra looks at the others very concerned that we're now royalty. Again, there's like this little little chatter of of uh, quiet laughter. Uh, you, uh, miss, would you like uh, tea? Which one is she talking to? To you. Oh. Um... She looks at the others concerned again, uh, but uh, yes, uh, I'll take a, a, a cup. The one, uh, the child, Basar, uh, jumps down from his chair and begins playing with what looks to be like a toy tank uh, and some little tin soldiers on the ground next to the table, uh, offering up a seat for you at, around this small little, this small little table. And uh, Annette very eagerly pours you a, a cup of tea. Thank you, Annette. Is there... And she looks at the others to see if they want to join. No, no, for, none for me, thanks. Good. Yeah, I mean, I think Geneva drinks it. I mean, I guess she smells it first to make sure it, like, smells like tea. Yeah. And then it, she'll drink it. Just a uh, very, uh, it's a strong, but but good black tea. Yeah, as Geneva takes a sip uh, and doesn't see any immediate reaction from her, uh, Cassandra will follow. Uh, Michael will put the cup up to his lips like he's drinking, but not drink that. Okay. Lamarck, you you assume, looks at you. You see the head moving uh, to, to regard each of you. If you don't mind my saying, you all appear to be uh, lost. Do you, uh, you know where you're going? 
No, not in the least. <laughs> we just got here. We're a bit turned around. Ah, ah that's fair. Uh, well, if you uh, head up to the... Uh, actually, if you just head, head down the hallway, there should be a door to take you out onto the next street. And then you'll want to go uh, down maybe two blocks. And uh, if they haven't cleared the rubble by now, you'll likely need to cut through another apartment building. But... Uh, when you get to that one, again, two blocks on your right, uh, you'll want to look for a, uh, a man. Uh, they call him the uh, the anarchist. He lives on the third floor. You'll want to uh, you'll want to see him. Thank you. Why do we want to see the anarchist? It is a name. He's uh, he's a very colorful fellow. He will be able to help you get the rest of the way. Okay. He fancies himself some sort of revolutionary. It's, it's quite funny. What's his revolution? Uh, against the king. What does the king stand for? Oh, well. The king stands for... Stability. Uh, they are the royal family. Uh, we have been under siege by a false king. Many have died in this war. Many more are starving. But the royal family has remained... Steadfast. And every night they throw ma- this masquerade. Uh, a reminder that despite all of this chaos, some things do not change. We should get going so that we're not late. Uh, thank you, all of you. Of course, remember out the back, down two, three blocks, apartment building on the right. Sandra will just stand up. Uh, and start to walk towards the, uh, I guess, towards the exit, which would lead uh, to the path that they I mentioned. Yeah, easy enough. What are the, what are the rest of you do? Cry. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark's happy to get out of there. So he, he follows yeah. Cassandra at the first opportunity. Yeah, same. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for stopping by. It was uh, very good to meet all of you. Please uh, take care. Be safe. Uh, so long. Such a nice family. <laughs> yeah, Cassandra uh, is visibly shaking, but she is just very steadfast in her uh, in her path to navigate the uh, the path that they had mentioned. Okay. Yeah, you, you he- turn out of the apartment and turn to your left, and uh, there is a door at the end of this, this first floor hallway that opens out onto onto the street. And again, you see that you're a little further down from that second blockade, uh, that second obstruction with the rubble and the collapsed apartment building. And uh, yeah, what do you do? Uh, I'm heading to the third floor if it's possible. Okay, so to do that, yeah, you'll need to head down a few blocks, which is going to call for another sanity test. Oh, great. I mean, odds, I mean, you've got the best odds of making, of, of failing, so. And yet, this entire and, session. And yet, <laughs> and yet. You, you going to give it a shot? Finally. Okay, there we go. 41 out of 25. This time, it's it all comes back to you, Cassie. It's like being back in the night floors again. It's It's like learning to operate 
in this strange dream logic once again uh you picture yourself crossing this distance of walking down this street one block then the next uh and arriving at this apartment and it's kind of like last time where it seemed like the very street itself was growing additional cobblestones to to put more distance in between you and your destination. This time, it's almost as if those cobblestones are vanishing altogether and shortening your path and shortening your distance, making it easier for you to reach where it is you want to go. Uh, and once again, you you find yourselves in another apartment building. To the third floor, unless anyone wants to do any scouting at the, the lower floors. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, we just want to get through here as quickly as possible, I think. <laughs> like, I, the player, kind of do, because I bet some of the shit is really cool, but there's nothing right. good for our there's nothing good for our people here. Then, yeah, uh, we head up to the third floor to see if we can find this anarchist. So you, you, you climb the stairs up to the second floor, then eventually to the third, and... There are four apartments on this floor, but the second your feet kind of hit the landing and there's a creak of the floorboards settling, um, one of the doors at the far end kind of cracks just slightly and you see a face peering out. And then the door swings open and you see a young man with a carefully waxed mustache and these small square spectacles kind of waves at you. In. I mean, hurry. Okay, yeah, Cassandra will just, you know, on instinct, do it. Look at the others. Shrug her shoulders. Yeah, goes in quickly. Uh, are, are you are you the one they call the anarchist? Yes, yes, inside. Oh. Yeah, Mark goes goes inside. He shuts the door behind him, and uh, you see... Set up in the middle of the room is what appears to be a table covered with bomb-making material, sticks of dynamite, clocks, wires. <laughs> he looks at you all. You are going to the palace, yes? Yes, we're trying to, anyway. You will want to look for Ambrose in the clockwork factory on the other side of the war zone. He will get you there. Look for him on the pier. Uh, out of character, we don't know that name, but out of character, we know that name, right? You may. I can't recall. Was that Ambrose's dad? No. Uh, no, no. Ambrose was um, an old figure from, from the mythology, right? Maybe. Um, what? Uh-oh. Did I break? Did I break, Doug? <laughs> Broke, Doug. Uh, um. Yeah. I don't wait. I remember that name. Like, yeah, I, I remember it see. too. I'm just trying to figure out why. I'm not seeing it in my notes. Lots of names coming at you. Let me see if it's popped up before. Um. Let me go back through mine. No, maybe, maybe not. Uh. Well, um, you did find a medallion, in... Uh, Manuel's apartment, Cassie. It was a locket. Oh. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I believe Ambrose was on it. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, in character, I, uh, I'll say that she remembers the name in a flash, but doesn't really make any connections quite immediately. Uh, but as, as I guess, he, is he like showing off the room or is he like, what's he doing? So he's, he's actually, uh, who's, who's kind of taking the lead with engaging with this guy. He's very hurried kind of, he runs over to the table and grabs a, a constructed bomb. One that's been fully built along with a slip of paper. I mean, if the others kind of seem like unsure and having questions, I think this kind of energy is something Geneva is familiar with. So even though the context is buck wild, um, I feel like she would like almost step into that kind of very hurried pace and just be like nodding and like taking what he's giving her and stuff. Okay. Yeah. He, since you seem to be the one kind of taking the lead, he, he regards you, Geneva, and, and passes you this this bundle of dynamite. Uh, you will take this and this invitation, and he hands you an invitation uh, to the um, masquerade ball itself, written in very opulent floral script, uh, inviting you to the court of the Yellow King, to the palace of Yatil, to the masquerade, which will commence with the king's appearance at midnight. Um, he passes that to you with the bomb and says, this will get you inside. As soon as you get in, if you can smuggle the bomb past the guards, you will place it underneath the beer and you will kill the king. What happens when he dies? Peace. But revolution first. Yeah, doesn't it always? Ambrose, do you know a Thomas Manuel? I am not Ambrose. You will find Ambrose on the pier. Sorry, I never actually asked that question because I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> it's all good. I do not know what Thomas Manuel know. This name is not familiar to me. Hey, um, would you mind telling me who's at war? You said warfield, battlefield. People are making bombs. Families with <laughs> blood all over their pillowcases. You do not know. No. It is the uh, it is the black wind. The black wind against the forces of Yatil. Okay. Why? One holds the city. One holds Carcosa. One seeks to rule. One is a false king. One claims it is the real king, and people die in the middle. There is one uh, in yellow. That is, is that, a, the, the king in yellow, yes. Is that the false king, or is that the real king? He fancies himself the real king. So what do you take him for? Is You take him for the false one, then? No, I take it that people are not meant to be ruled. So then if you don't believe people should be ruled, why, why even worry about a king at all? Why not just... I don't know, the try out democracy he just kind of looks at you <laughs> and to try anything the current regime must die fair enough so who who's this black wind then what's their deal they're monsters they kill indiscriminately just like ours you must are they going to Sorry, are they going to win if we kill the king? Does it matter? 
Kinda. You know what you must do. And he turns back to Geneva, intently focusing on her. You have the bomb. You have the invitation. You know what you must do. Go find Ambrose at the pier. He will help you navigate and get to the palace. But first, you must cross the war zone. You must be very careful. Get to the tractor factory. Throw the tractor factory and you will be at the pier. You understand? Got it. Got it. Now go. You've been here too long. Yep, Geneva starts to leave. Sandra's get- confused, but she'll follow. He takes your hand for a moment, Geneva, and just kind of looking at you says, death to the king. She kind of like gives an indication, like a small nod or like a quirk of her brow, but she doesn't repeat what he says. Yeah, he just, he immediately kind of hurries you all out. And as soon as the last person crosses the threshold, you hear the door slam shut and the locks engage. Uh, how big is the thing, the the bomb, the dynamite? It's like a, probably a briefcase size. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Maybe, okay. A, maybe a little smaller. Like, I mean, you can't exactly slip it into a pocket. Like, if you, exactly. had, a coat, if yeah. you had a coat, you could probably slip it under there. Um, so it's like it's bigger a, than a football, but. Yeah, it's a bundle. Yeah. Um, can I say that she has a coat of some kind? <laughs> Sure, fuck it, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Then I think she'll just do her best to kind of conceal it so that they're not seen walking around with a bomb. Okay, all right. Honestly, I could see Geneva being a big fan of deep pockets. Yeah, right. on brand. Oh, yeah, for sure. just hide it in Michael's uh, bathrobe that he's been wearing this entire time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Well, does Michael have shoes on? I can't remember. Or is it slippers? No, no he doesn't have anything on. He's barefoot. Oh, God, you take two hit points of damage from freaking <laughs> walking through glass and stone and the, the bottoms oh. of your feet are, com- maybe I'll just say one, the bottoms of your feet are completely cut up and just it, 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 adrenaline, thankfully, and the sheer shock of being where you are and seeing what you're seeing have taken your mind on, off it. But uh, yeah, it doesn't feel great. He's walking like a, like you would across a like a rocky beach. Like, you know, when you're kind of like tiptoeing and you're like, <laughs> he's been walking like that the whole time. Got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you, uh, you take another stairwell down and you head back out to the street. Yeah. Cause he said to go look for the tractor factory. He did. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we got across battlefield first. Right? Yeah. And then we go Ooh. through the factory and that will take us to the pier. All right. Go ahead and roll. One more sanity check for me, please. I guess I'll do that. Since Geneva has kind of stepped up. Oh, no. Ooh, but with a 35 and a 40. She's doing so much better now that she has, like, a tangible mission. (laughs) Her mind is like, I can do this, but that's not what she needs right now. Yeah, you you lose one sanity uh, as you kind of have the same experience, the same very strange experience that Cassie had before where one moment it seems to be right in front of you, you know, exactly where you need to go and how you need to get there. But then all of a sudden there are more buildings on the left and right of you as this, the, the street just inexplicably lengthens and you could almost see the shimmer in the air as the city seems to reshape itself around you to put additional distance in between you and your, your objective. Oh, fuck. What's wrong? 
We're not getting anywhere. Well, uh, he said to go across the battlefield. I mean... Yeah, I just tried. It, are, you, are you sure you were thinking of the battlefield? Yeah, I'm sure I tried. Look, this is, we know that this happens. It's been a pattern since we've got here. Something psychically, I don't know the reason for it, but something either it works or it doesn't. I don't quite know how to make it work on command. Oh, all right. Hold on. I'm thinking Mark's going to try. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Oof. 40 out of 58. Those same limits of logic and rational thinking of rationality kind of imprison your thinking and prevent you from being able to see the city for what it is, the destination and the path for what it is. And again, you lose one sanity as you now see this, this street become longer the next that that the end of that street getting further and further away. Oh, but with a 33 and a 25 for Cassie, you know exactly where you're going. And as you walk, you realize that there is no more rubble. Well, there is rubble. There's plenty of rubble in the street. It is now everywhere. You have a clear path forward and you begin seeing these toppled barricades, barbed wire, crates of supplies, and parked trucks everywhere. Roadblocks are barbed wire strung on sawhorses, pulled aside, pulled over, some protecting and, and opening the way to small gaps in the street for you to move through. The trucks themselves are new but road-worn. Each one is of an old make, this open-air vehicle with solid rubber tires. Each one has a red mark on the door and small black flags with those red wave-like marks. You can now hear the distant hollow pops of gunfire sporadically filling the air, these dull, echoing booms of artillery, and the repeating chatter of machine guns. As we go... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just... uh, Sorry. I was just going to say, we can hear the sounds, and we see, like, the... Uh, the equipment, but no one manning it, or we do see the people shooting. At this point, no, you do not. You don't we just see hear it, it, though. You do. Got it. Okay. Does it sound like it's? It's. It sounds like it's far away then, or does it sound like it's close? And we're just. It's this like auditory hallucination thing. It's it, it, with the way the sound is reverberating off the concrete and the buildings around you. It's hard to tell. It could be as far away as a few miles or as close as a few blocks. It's difficult to tell. Cool. I'm sorry, Doug. Yeah. Um, I just want to keep an eye out to see if there's any, um, weapons that we can pick up like a gun or something like that. Sure. Yeah. At this point there isn't, but as you begin making your way through the streets towards the palace, which now seems to be growing, ever so slightly closer. You turn a corner, navigating your way through these roadblocks, through collapsed buildings, through rubble. The eerie sounds of distant combat just ringing all around you. You come across a soldier wearing a black uniform with a fez sprawled in the middle of the road. 
he seems to be trying to pull himself, leaving a, a trail of blood behind him as he struggles to grip this rifle, this bolt-action rifle, just ahead of him. No, I don't like that. Is this Fez... Um, wasn't there, when we were with the Night Watchmen and, and the Night Floors, there were, there were like, uh, newspaper articles about a war. Does this Fez look familiar from that? It most certainly does. Shit. Okay. Wow. Okay. Good ball. I thought I remembered, I mean, it looked, it looked like, like... Bezes and stuff. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, Mark was the one looking for it. I'm. I'm guessing that this guy looks like he's dead. He's. He just doesn't. You know. He. He's bleeding out. Yeah. Absolutely. Suddenly, there's a crack of gunfire, and the cobblestone next to him explodes with the impact of a bullet. And you hear the crack of a gunshot. It appears, from what you can tell, a sniper has him zeroed in his sights. Oh, crap. Well, uh, that doesn't look good. I don't think I want to run out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that Mark's, Mark was going to try and get the gun, but not, not if, this guy is being pinned down. Geneva, what do you do? I think she almost instinctively yells to get down. I think I don't think there's any thought that goes in it. I think she sees that, you know, the whole sniper thing, <laughs> and she just yells, get down. Yeah, uh, Michael drops as soon as she yells that. Yeah, and she's like crouching and hiding behind stuff as well. Yeah, Mark's trying to crouch behind cover. Cassandra's a little slow on the draw, considering <laughs> the 25 sanity score. Um, and it's just sort of transfixed on this crawling figure in the street with the fez and the blood. And just is almost watching to see what would happen, what's going to happen. It's almost become not entertainment, but she's just overcome with curiosity at this point. The man in black kind of looks over his shoulder and you can see a very sallow, pale face. It's clear this man is bleeding out with a pencil-thin mustache and very quietly saying something in a language you don't understand. It most certainly isn't Tartesian, Michael. You don't understand it. And it seems to be he's struggling to say something. Cassandra will extend her hand but not move from where she's at with the others but just offering it up to see, you know, if you take it you're safe, possibly. If you don't I understand. So you would have to kind of cross to get to him. He's, he's and no, she, Again, she's not moving from where oh, she's yep. at okay. with the others. She's just extending it as like a show of maybe like false hope. <laughs> you Got know, it. Uh, yeah. like If you get here you'll be safe, but he he kind of tries to, he says something else and tries to kind of reach in your direction, but instead his hand falls on the rifle and with shaking very weak hands, he, he struggles 
to pull back the bolt and chamber another round on this rifle, but just can't seem to muster the strength to do it. And again, another crack of gunfire. The the cobblestone explodes again next to him. And he, he instinctively flinches, and you can hear a whimper. You don't have to necessarily go through him or past him to get to where you're going. You can continue on. I mean, I feel really bad about this, but also Michael's like face down with both of his hands over his head. Like he's not he's not crawling out there to save a dude from a sniper. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, and not to dictate what anyone else does, but I feel like at least Geneva especially seems like the type who would just be like, this is not our objective, we need to go. Uh, and so if everyone else starts to go, Cassandra would probably follow. Yeah, I think there's almost a moment where you guys looking at her might think, oh my God, she's about to run out there and try to help that person. <laughs> like there's almost this moment where she just has this instinctive need to like go help. <laughs> um, but she kind of catches herself and just kind of looks to the side and tries to find a path that they can kind of duck and cover and make their way and just keep going. And then she'll head that way. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra will take one last look at him and follow the others. Okay. You continue on your way, navigating these war-torn streets. You come to another intersection, and this time you see six ragtag young soldiers in these unmarked gray-green uniforms, not like the one you just saw with the man in the fez. These ones look almost familiar. They're dragging down the street, these two teenage boys their hands bound behind their backs. The soldiers appear to be armed with pistols and and light submachine guns. They're distracted. They're scared from the looks of it, battle-weary. Their eyes definitely have this thousand-yard stare to them. The blonde-haired, blue-eyed leader of this group fashions a noose and throws a rope over a lamppost and settles it over the neck of the first boy. He says something, and it sounds like it's German. And the you said the the boys are the ones in the different uniforms. Well, they're all boys. Sure. But uh, these these young you have the young soldiers in the gray green uniforms, six of them both armed, and then two teenagers that they're dragging with them, their hands bound behind their backs. What are the what are the two gotcha. teenagers dressed up in? Uh, it looks like just civilian clothes. Just just does it look like from any time period or? Um. What do you have a do you have a score in history at all? Uh, let me check. I have a 10 in history. So base score. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, it just at, at first glance, maybe early to mid 1930s, potentially 1940s. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, that's, that's dark. Uh, do the gray green uniforms that the, the boys are wearing look like the kind of uniforms that we've seen the gas mask gunmen in? No. Definitely not. Yeah. No, these are, these are, you see uh, eagles, you see almost Roman type iconography. Yeah. Are these Nazis? Are we looking at some Nazis? Nobody here, I think, has military science or history, but, but yes, you are most decidedly looking at Wehrmacht soldiers. Okay. All right. Fuck them, guys. (laughs) You guys got guns and hammers. Let's, let's, Let's beat them up. Yeah. So, how many soldiers are there? There are six. Six. 
Geneva will, like, people can stop her. If, I'll give you guys a minute. But again, she kind of enters that, like, instinctive, uh, I have to do something mode, <laughs> seeing that these are, like, just, they look like they're just civilian teenagers, even if they're, if they're from, like, a different time, about to be hung by Nazis. And unlike the uh, the previous situation, I don't think she can just walk by that. <laughs> so she, like, kind of crouches, gets some cover, and gets out her gun and aims it. Okay. There's, there's six Seeing G- Geneva taking aim on these uh, guys, um, Mark's going to take a similar position. Uh, Michael cocks his hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if no one stops her, she's going to aim and she's going to try to shoot whichever one seems like they're about to like the one that like just hung the noose over and is like about to hang them she's gonna try to take that one out just before she shoots though i will say cassandra puts her hand on your shoulder and says there are six of them and they're all armed right yeah uh they all have submachine guns they're all armed we don't stand a chance get down and she fires oh Go I was going to say, Michael takes cover. He's going to take cover behind something. He doesn't have a ranged weapon, so... Yeah, Cassandra will take cover as well. Okay. Uh, so, Geneva, the, the leader uh, settles the, noop around the, the noose around the neck of this, this boy, tightens it, and hoists it, and the boy begins kicking and choking as he is strangled from this lamppost. You take aim at him... And uh, you you begin to squeeze the trigger and uh, go ahead and roll firearms. Ooh, did I get an aiming advantage at all, or was it not enough time? I will give it to you. Yes. Hell yeah. Ooh. One second. Let me no try the firearms one. I think this happened last time, but the pistol won't work. But I think my firearm score is okay. Basically the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, right on. Okay, yeah, with a 23 and a 71. Uh, go ahead and roll your damage, which I believe is 1d... It's either 1d10 or 1d12. Let me check. It's a 10, I think. Or at least that's what it says on my sheet. Yep, 1d10. Go ahead and roll. Three. Three, yeah. You, um, you line up your sights and you squeeze the trigger and the gun kicks in your hand. And the round kind of skims past... His forehead doesn't quite make contact, but uh, but skims past it and clearly knocks him back. Uh, he's dazed and stunned and, and on the ground, obviously can't react. He drops the boy to his feet, and, and the rest of the group begins to scatter and run for cover, thinking they have just been targeted by a sniper. Uh, <laughs> So you have to drop on them. Uh, he's he's down, but he's still up, and he's scrambling to unsling his submachine gun and get it up uh, as the others, the five others, begin diving for cover behind roadblocks and rubble and, and the corners of buildings. Uh, so yeah, you all are in, in, in combat, and I will say, Mark, since you kind of have the drop on them, you can go ahead and roll as well. All right, so Mark pulls out the Glock. Well, he's been aiming it and uh, takes a shot. Okay. Yep. Sixty-eight out of uh, fifty, but with an eight with a twenty percent aimed, that's a forty-eight out of fifty. So yeah, go ahead and roll mm-hmm. your one d ten. Yep. All right. Um, seven. Seven. Yep. Nice. Yep. The yeah, you catch one of them right in the gut, 
as he attempts to scramble for cover and you hear shouts in German. Well, I, actually, I, I would go for the same one that, um, that Geneva, oh, same, same guy shot at. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, he uh, he he he's struggling to just get his submachine gun up, and and one hand kind of in shock going to his forehead. He sits up slightly, and and you put a round right through the center of of his upper lip, and he just drops like a sack. Uh, just his his cord completely cut. He is done. He is out of the fight. I mean, from where I am, I'm gonna do my best to duck behind cover and and. Get ready to fire again. Okay, so yeah, some of the, the these uh, these five remaining soldiers begin uh, popping up from behind cover and begin spraying SMG fire, some machine gun fire uh, in your general direction. Not really aiming, but uh, we'll see how they do. Oof, yeah. Um, so one of them uh, manages to they they clip. Uh, well, you're in, you're behind cover. So let me see how cover works real quick. I didn't think you guys were going to do go this direction, so I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> you can't put Nazis in front of us. I can't put Nazis in front attack. of you. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Any uh, other soldier from any other time period, it would have been like, not my problem. <laughs> that is incredible. Uh, let's see. You're behind cover. All right, so... Yeah. Okay. Um, one of them, it, they've they've got you zeroed in, uh, Geneva. It seems like, but uh, you're behind cover, and so the rounds are impacting the wall, and, and you don't take any damage. But you're you're pretty sure you're, if you pop out, you're going to catch a round. Gotcha. Like if I were to pop out to shoot, they would probably get me. It, there's a very good chance. Yeah. Okay. They'd have to they'd have to roll again. So of course they could miss, but. Um, if you were to leave cover, you could be in a bad spot. Hopefully they don't hit the, uh, dynamite. That would suck. Wouldn't it? <laughs> be a quick end to the campaign. <laughs> Take Mark. off one of the six of dynamite. We'll light it and throw it at him. Yeah, we got enough spare, right? Yeah, I'm sure this isn't, like, an exact amount to kill the king in yellow. I'm sure there's a couple extra. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, if we kill some of these kids that we meant to save, it's fine, too. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. I forgot about them. Yeah, they're they're taking off running. Uh, their hands are bound okay, behind good. their backs, so there's not much they can do. So they just kind of they they get the fuck out of there. Smart. I mean, oh, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, I think we've done the best we can here. Is there is does it look like there's a way for us to back in like back like go back and around without exposing ourselves too much? Uh potentially. Yeah, your best bet would be to. Um, do, who, oh, does anybody have military science at all? Nope. Oh, You'd think I would have taken that, but I sure didn't. You know, I'd say I'd say with your training, you know, the training you've you've received. I mean, especially you know, coming up in the early two thousands and and the mid two thousands. You know, responding to active shooters. You know, your best bet will be to lay down cover while one moves back. Then they open fire to suppress while you move back. So it's kind of taken turns both laying down fire to keep their heads down and moving backward. Gotcha. She'll communicate that with Mark since he has the other gun. Okay. All right. Well, I think, yeah. Uh, if if, if uh, Geneva's going to go first, Mark, Mark will uh, back up and then uh, find a, a good position to put down covering fire from. 
Okay. Go ahead and roll. Uh, I'll have you two roll your firearms checks. Okay. This is just firearms, not like the damage, right? Right. Yep. Would it be possible for Cassandra to get the gun that the dead Nazi dropped? Oh, it'd be possible. You'd be exposing yourself to withering submachine gun fire. Yeah, it's probably an issue. Just a little. Just a little submachine gun fire. You know what? Uh, she's already been shot in the head. What's, what's a little submachine oh gun fire? <laughs> no. You going for it? I know. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so with a 32 out of 71, uh, Kelsey or uh, Cammy, uh, fucking Geneva, you're good. Um, Doug, do you, are you shooting? Oh, shit, 91 out of 50. Okay, not so good. Um, got it. Let's see what these guys do. Ooh! <laughs> okay, all right. Yep, they don't do so good. Um so as you begin moving backward, you do both find yourselves getting further and further away from the engagement. Some of these soldiers still think they're pinned down by sniper fire. So they're not, they're not really keen on leaving cover. Um, but Mark, you look down at a certain point and realize your gun is empty. The slide is locked to the rear and you have no remaining magazines. That seems like a miscalculation. <laughs> Shit. But yeah, um, you all. I will say you all eventually get to cover and are able to make your way out of the area and 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 kind of regroup and decide what you want to do next. Because these these guys aren't coming after you. They weren't exactly sure where the. They have a general idea where the fire was coming from, but again, they they looked exhausted. Uh, their who appeared to be their leader, uh, their their fire team or squad leader was just taken out. Uh, so they are kind of disorganized and discombobulated. So you, you don't get the sense that you're being pursued at this point. When we get to cover, Cassandra just shoots a very quick disapproving glance at Geneva, but then relaxes, realizing that, yeah, she's killing Nazis, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, can we all do a jumping high five? Yeah, yeah, like at the like in the Anchorman, just you know, jump and freeze in the air. Exactly. Or in uh, Death Proof, when they all do like a jumping oh, yeah, yeah, vibe yeah. over that guy's like dead yeah, body. That's the one. Uh, Geneva, and not Geneva. Um, Cassandra looks around, and now that we're in cover, do we see anything that resembles a tractor factory? Not yet. You do not. Let's keep going. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. As you you move away. Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, Geneva, do you check your weapon, see how many rounds you have left? Yeah, I've been tracking on my sheet and it says 14, but I if I don't know how ammo works in this world, so it could be that I have less than that. <laughs> we're going we're going narrative for the most part, but the, sure, way, I, the way I envision it, um, you weren't just kind of doing one, onesie, twosie boops at the guys when you true, were that's true. moving back. In the, yeah, in the cover fire. That's true. So I'll say, since you, you were successful, you probably have, I'll give you I'll give you three remaining rounds. Cool. I'll take it. Okay. Um, so you've got three. Uh, Mark, unfortunately, has, has none. He's got an empty weapon. Um, but as you begin to move away, you, you, hear, you hear from a nearby alleyway. We hear what? Uh, uh, like a pst. Like somebody trying to get your attention. I look over there. Who is? Can we see who it is? You can. It is uh, two, the two boys. 
Oh. Y'all better get out of here. They're going to be awful. <laughs> we're going to save the worst humans ever from that. <laughs> hey, at least they're not Nazis. We have that going for us. You look you look down the alley and there seems to be like a cellar door that's open. You know, those those kind of storm cellar type doors. Yeah. They're, they're standing at the precipice and they're kind of gesturing you over. Fuck it. They speak only in this this again this strange Eastern European language that Michael you know is Tartesian, um, and so you're uh, to kind of act as the translator. Um, you know they say, "Thank you for saving us." Yeah, of course. Um, why did they have you? We wrong place, wrong time. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't have to have any weapons on you, would you? Uh, no, no, we we don't we don't we know we don't fight. Is Michael relaying any of this to us? Oh yeah, I whenever Vince uh, says something, you can just assume that Michael is quietly translating it before applying. Uh, when Michael says uh, "wrong place, wrong time," Cassandra asks Michael to ask them. Uh, what time is it? What place are we? Are we st- still Carcosa? They kind of look at you oddly, and uh, at least the, the, the lead boy does, and they, they gesture you down into the basement. We, we must get off the street. Oh yeah, we're going down. Uh, you, you step into the basement and it's, it's dimly lit by lantern light and you see that in this basement are these uh, hollow-faced, starving civilians. Uh, they, there's men and women of varying ages, mostly old, some children. Uh, they they kind of grin upon seeing you and offer you you reach out with this worm-ridden bread and, and a bowl of thin, unidentifiable soup. Oh, that's really nice. Uh, you were you were going to the palace, yes? Eventually, we have a couple stops along the way. The uh, as they they hear this and as it's relayed in Tartesian and into English and back, uh, does anybody is anybody like wearing a watch or anything like that? Out of curiosity. No, that's why Cassandra asked what time it was. Okay. Uh, my inventory says bathrobe and hammer in it. <laughs> I mean, would I have my phone and would it work? Because that's probably what she uses to keep the time most of the time. Uh, I would say it doesn't work, but yeah, we could say you have your phone. And as you as you pull it out, one of the, the very elderly, older men, I mean, does Mark, do you have a watch? Mark's got to have a watch. Yeah, I think Mark probably probably would have a watch. There we go. So so he seems the type. Um, one of the older men kind of gestures to to your wrist, Mark, to your watch, and kind of does that that universal gesture for give it here. <laughs> um. Yeah, Mark. Uh, Mark takes the watch and. Uh, it's, uh, you know, unclips it and uh, holds it out to the man. The the elderly man kind of holds it up 
to his ear and, and looks down at it. And this is clearly the, the, the most precious possession he's probably ever had or ever held in his hands. He's, he's just regaled by uh, the, the beauty of this instrument. Um, and he looks at you and with Michael translating says, um, we, can, we can get you closer through the sewers. Thank you. Yes. Wait, we need, are you uh, are you Ambrose? No, 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 Ambrose. But uh, but you can take us to him, right? We can take you to Tractor Factory. Perfect. That was going to be what Geneva was going to ask. So yeah. <laughs> Born, uh, I didn't write it down, but didn't they mention a watchmaker? Uh, the anarchist mentioned um, Ambrose in the Clockwork Factory. Oh, the uh, Clockwork Factory no, on the no. other side on the other side of the war zone. Yeah. Okay, All right. I guess we're not there yet. Um, is does he look like he's gonna keep the watch? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Look, man, where we're going, time has no meaning. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Hey. Uh, Michael. So. Did we make a mm-hmm. just make a deal or something? Is that what he's saying? I guess so. I mean, I told you everything. Mm-hmm. I said there's not a lot of nuance that I I get, but yeah, I think you just got hustled. Uh, I mean, at least he's gonna live up to make sure, ask him make sure he's gonna live up to his side of the bar- bargain. Uh, Michael will turn to the man and translate. Uh, he thinks the watch for for guidance is a fair deal. Yeah, the boys they will take you. And then Michael gives Mark a thumbs up. All right. I mean, that watch was kind of special, but special how? It belonged to my dad. I mean, it's not like that movie. It's not like he carried it in the behind or anything, but still. I'm sorry, carried it in his... Yeah, you know that um, what was it? A Tarantino feller? Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Wait, you don't know that movie? No. Oh. Is this Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Okay. I've only seen parts of Pulp Fiction. I've never watched it all the way through. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know the story of the watch? Yeah, I know. People always have that reaction to me saying that. Oh. <laughs> Walken's iconic monologue? Yes. I mean, Christopher Walken's famous for saying a lot of things, and that might be the thing he's most famous for. This that is very, very true. Mm-hmm. That and asking for more cowbell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But right, what case. were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I just gave up my watch. Yeah. So well. the the boys offer to take you. There's a, a a tunnel that leads further down into what appears to be a sewer, um, and they tell you that this is a a relatively safe way to navigate uh, without having to go through the streets above to get at least closer to the, the tractor factory. Through which you will have to pass to get to the pier. Can I just do a super quick human? I mean, Geneva mostly trusts them, but I think she's on high alert. So I think just to see if 
I mean, she can't understand what they're saying, but just like their body language to see sure. if there's any reason that they should be alarmed or suspicious or they're being led into a trap or something. Perfectly reasonable. Yeah, go ahead and roll that. Ooh, no. Oh, with an 88 and a 63. Um, no. Yeah. You, it, it, tough, tough to read. Uh, but I mean, logically speaking, you just say, you just did save these, these two yeah. lives. So. Okay. Yep. Then she goes. All right. So we'll say they, they lead you down. Um, they grab kind of like an, an oil lantern that's kind of hanging at the entrance of this tunnel and they, they go down, they take you down a ladder into this, this ancient, ancient sewer. It's all br- moss covered an algae slick brick. It's brackish brown sewage runoff beneath. It is, this is not a good place to be. And it is especially bad for you, uh, there, Michael, since you are barefoot with open cuts on your feet. <laughs> oh, you're going to die of something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's probably not going to be infected feet. <laughs> well, but it would suck to get all the way through this and then die of an infected foot. Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> At that point, you'd be like, chop them off. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um. So they lead you through these sewers, and you, you time operates strangely here uh, of course it does you don't know how long you're there it could be minutes it could be hours it could be days you turn and navigate just an endless series of corners and corridors and hallways and just tease intersections and branching tunnels and it is just you have, if you've been trying to pay any attention whatsoever to, to vaguely know what direction you're going in, you lost track so long ago that it, it's it's a distant memory at this point. Uh, thankfully, these these two young men seem to know exactly where they are going. And with that that lantern held in front of them, they, they guide you effortlessly through this labyrinth, um, constantly looking back to make sure they have everyone and you're all with them. Do you all talk or anything during this journey? Do you, or do you just kind of keep your heads down and plow through? I think unless she's provoked or she sees anything, because Andrew would just mostly be quiet. Okay. Yeah, same. I don't think Geneva would say anything or strike up a conversation. Yeah, Michael neither. Guessing the same for Mark. He's just dead down. I, I I think Mark probably would would keep up a a string of of commentary uh, quietly as we go along, but nothing of consequence. Got it. Okay. He's rarely at a loss for words. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. All right. So eventually they reach another ladder that leads up, and they stop and kind of turn to face you expectantly and gesture up to the to the manhole cover above. Uh, this is it. Michael, you should ask them for their shoes. Yeah, that's actually probably not a bad idea. Can I have your shoes? They look back at what they just walked through and say <laughs> no I saved your life angry you're here uh, 
Yeah, Mark yeah. sees the way the direction this um, conversation is going, and he uh, pulls his gun out and just uh, holds it across his chest. Uh, Michael's actually going to put a hand out uh, in front of in front of Mark like a whoa, and turn yeah, back like to his... the kids and turn back to the kids and go. You should leave. Is Mark trying to be threatening right there? Mm-hmm. Geneva. <laughs> Like, she's almost, like, stunned that that is happening. <laughs> and, like, almost gives Mark a look, like, what the fuck are you doing? They kind of, they, 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 it doesn't seem to compute for a minute, but they're like, if he's offering that in trade, we'll take it. Uh, they want to trade you the gun for the shoes. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad trade the gun's kind of useless unless also, we find more bullets <laughs> well that's okay <laughs> no I'm just kidding I gave it to you <laughs> um, I mean yeah. okay yeah if you guys unless you guys think it's crazy to give away this empty gun I'm not gonna lie I would really I would really really like to have a pair of shoes like a lot. Nope. Uh, Mark takes takes the gun and goes to uh, like he's clearing the chamber uh, and uh, holds it out, but first to the to the boys. Yeah, one of them takes it and kind of the other shrugs and begins pulling off the the well worn uh, leather boots on his feet and hands them over to you, Michael. They are they're a tight fit. But, I mean, it's better than nothing. He happily accepts. Good luck. Keep your heads down. Yeah, you too. Don't hang around with any more Nazis, okay? Right. And they take back off down where they came. Those are good kids. Yeah. How the hell did they end up here? How did... Uh, same way we ended up here? Are people born here? Let's just keep going. Do you all head up? Yep. You? Yep. You... Who's the first one up? Uh, Geneva can go since she has the loaded gun. Just in okay. case. You kind of maneuver the, you know, push up and slide the manhole cover back and immediately you smell blood and smoke and just the, the, the smells of combat and you peek your head out over the edge and it, it, you are in, it is not far away is, is a, this giant L-shaped building that is in the center of just absolute carnage and destruction. There are craters from artillery and bombs everywhere. There's the chatter of gunfire, the whoops of, of artillery going off and bombs detonating. The ground is just subsumed in this choking smoke of cordite explosions and burning bodies. Hovering above it all in the distance is the palace, as huge as ever in the background. You see hundreds, hundreds of corpses 
black wind soldiers, soldiers in these opulent red and gold uniforms, men wearing these these green uniforms you saw earlier as they attempted to hang those two young men, uh, soldiers in brown, light brown uniforms. It's uh, just bodies everywhere. You see tanks, you see barricades. And uh, at the end of it all, this L-shaped building and beyond it, the palace. Can we can can we tell like are all these people on the same side? All the different uniforms we see, can we tell if there are and and also which side were the Nazis on? Were they on Blackwind's side? Impossible to tell. Okay. I want to know. Right. Yeah. All right. But anyway, I mean the building. Does this look like a clockwork factory? There is Cyrillic writing on the side. And, Michael, you would recognize it. It, it does identify it as a tractor factory. On the tractor factory. And there are blown open doors that that you ostensibly would have to make it through to get to the other side. Can we see anything that looks like a pier on the other side? You can, You can barely see anything beyond this building. Gotcha. Does it look like there's a workable, preferably stealthy path to get inside the tractor factory from here? No. It is a wide open kill zone. You said there there was a lot of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you said that some of these windows had shutters. I know it sounds maybe a little silly, but like, what if we put some of this, like took some of the shutters or something, or some kind of rebel or something like that to just try and like... I don't know. I know it's not bulletproof or anything like that, but uh so so those are what have been like the apartments and the tenements and yeah, okay. where you previously came Strike from? it from the record. Yeah. No, you see you see machine guns and rifles popping off, filling right. there, coming from inside this building. Um you see fire teams of squads, entire squads of soldiers trying to navigate through and around these craters, uh only to be completely decimated by by machine gun fire and mortar fire. So this is gonna be a little crazy. But you could tell me if I'm just if if it's just not something I, I can do. But since we know that at least at some point our thoughts could manipulate the space. Is there a way, if Cassandra like focused hard enough, that she could at least stop time enough for them to cross and get into the tractor factory? No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but. That was you, a bad idea. <laughs> no. Uh, well, yes. Um, you're on the right track. And you know the rules of how this place operates, especially movement. And oh, okay. So we could maybe go faster than speeding bullets. No. <laughs> well, we don't want to get stuck out there by trying to walk and failing or succeeding our sand check and then being stuck out in the open. You will have to make sand tra- sand checks to cross. Yeah. Okay. So so, but the thing is, if we if we succeed on a, a sand check, we probably just stay where we are in safety, right? Uh, there is no safety once you leave this, once you leave this, this, uh, once you leave the sewer. Right. 
the only way out is through. Yeah, I mean, with that ringing through her head and uh, knowing that either she goes to this masquerade or she dies trying, there's no other way. She is going to push ahead, try to get across. All right, go ahead and roll sanity. And you all watch as Cassie just kind of takes a resolute breath and begins charging. And with a 39 out of 25, you begin just making your way across this battlefield. There are bullets snapping past you, ripping past your head, impacting the dirt all around you. There are explosions as mortar rounds impact the dirt to the left and right of you, behind you, just ahead of you. They don't seem to be miraculously making contact. This is withering fire. It is almost a wall of bullets you are charging into, and yet none of them find purchase. Uh, so you are good for now. What the rest, the rest of us can follow? Everybody will have to make sand rolls. Oh, nice. oh no. Having seen that, Michael is going to get up, close his eyes, and walk forward. And oh, just go, God. I'm safe. And thinking, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. Roll, roll sanity. I will say that Cassandra was hoofing it. She was like Black Widow running. Great. Yep. Yeah, with a 71 and a 52. Uh, with with Michael wearing these ill-fitting boots and, <laughs> and walking through this chaos, through this battlefield, he too makes progress. Yeah, Geneva follows, not walking like Michael. She's more doing the cast method of running, but... <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Make that roll. Oh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> At least if they shoot me, everyone blows up, so it's fine. <laughs> Is that fine? <laughs> yeah. That better? Go out with a bang, you know? Literally. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, hallelujah. Never thought was, I'd be so happy to see a sand fail. With a 68 out of 39. Yep, perfect. And and Mark. Come on, Mark. Uh, Mark just starts walking across the, uh, the battlefield. Uh, his eyes open, though. Uh, looking at the at the building, and uh, as he does, he recites to himself, "And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he had prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And oh." All right, go ahead and make a make a luck roll. A luck roll. King and set King and Yellow said, I am the god here. Success. Ooh. Okay. Roll one D four. Oh D. That's not bad. The good. That's the one. Okay. One. I you catch a ricochet as a round kind of bounces off a nearby rock kind of exposed by another explosion of mortar fire as these bullets are just ripping all around you. One just happens to bounce off and, and impact your shin. Uh, It grazes you, thankfully only doing one hit point of damage. Um, But you are no closer to, to the tractor factory as the others. They're about halfway across the field and you're, you're still back at the starting point. Yeah, I think, um, do I, uh, yeah, 
So Mark, uh, when, when he gets hit with the shrapnel, he flinches and stops, takes a deep breath, breathes out, and uh, keeps going. We're going to pick it back up with Cassie. So Cassie, go ahead and roll me another sanity roll. Oh, fuck. We got to do it again? Yep. Oof. That means you get sniped. Oh, shit. That was a Lay bad time for that. With a, one, with a 1 out of 25, go ahead and roll uh, luck. Success. Roll 1d4. Beautiful. 1. You lose 1 hit point as a round just it grazes your shoulder, almost knocking you around with the impact but thankfully it's just a grazing wound a flesh wound at this point you feel this burning sensation in your flesh as it rips clothing and and tissue uh, but you're able to continue moving unfortunately you, you look down and around and realize you haven't moved at all yeah there's that like it's almost as if the bullet hitting her flesh broke her out of whatever trance was projecting her uh, across the street across this. when you open your eyes you're standing at those blown open doorways hysterically Mark's not looking good by, by the way guys where, where are you he? at? four oh, okay. you're still up but you're hurting yeah uh, I took a lot from the from earlier oh, um, alright so Mark uh, Mark, Mark uh, you know, pauses, takes a deep breath, and he keeps going. And he says, uh, "And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh." And he said, "I will not let thee go, except thou bless me." And Mark's kind of looking up into the sky when he says this, and that's oh. another success. <laughs> Fifty-four uh, out of fifty-seven. Michael oh. and Geneva, go ahead and roll sanity. Michael? Thank goodness. There we go. At least Michael failed. Michael, you look back and you concentrate. You try to will Mark closer, or at least you try to will the ground to close, the distance to close. Hmm. And Mark, you find yourself moving. And you are now halfway across the field. Because I failed, do I take... um... No, because Michael aided you. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, okay, Cassie, go ahead and roll. 86 out of 25. You two make it the rest of the way. All right. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, see, uh, seeing the others push ahead and push through, uh, steals herself and just clutching her bloody arm, rushes into, like when Mark uh, is is running across. She almost runs into him, kind of barreling into the others. Well, now, Mark's only halfway. Th- oh, oh, well, then she just pushes past you. She body checks you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, uh, I meant Michael. Sorry. Okay. Knocks him down. All right, Mark. Go ahead and roll that sanity check. Uh, does well, everybody Mark, get to help me? They. We'll see how you do. Okay, one last shot. With a 94 and a 57. emboldened by the sight of of Cassie blasting past you and arriving safely at the entrance of the tractor factory. You just 
muster all of the the every last iota of will you can and charge across this battlefield and practically tumble into the waiting forms of Geneva, Michael, and Cassie. The four of you, as the sounds of, of just intense fever-pitched combat continue to echo around you, you charge into the factory. And it's almost like when you climbed up those stairs to arrive at the banks of Lake Holly, you are suddenly outside again. You don't remember leaving the factory, you don't remember navigating through it, but you are now outside. And you can hear the sounds of combat behind you, and you turn back and you can see the the rear of the factory through which you just passed through. And you see that the streets here are quiet and clean. There's no rubble, there's no smoke, there's no gunfire, except for that which is behind you. No signs of battle or warfare here. You see smoke creeping from chimneys. You see refuse stacked in tidy piles in crossroads and at corners. It's eerily quiet. And above it all, hanging over this area like a giant eye is the palace. So close now that you can occasionally see a light flickering in one of the upper story windows. There are three buildings that stand out. The palace itself, the clockwork factory, and a gallery. As you look out, you see that one of them is on a pier. And for a moment, Cassie, this is a scene that you're familiar with, having just looked at that postcard. That's exactly what this looks like. We've made it. And I think that's a great place to end for tonight. Dang. Dang. on. Thank you for listening to Delta Green, Impossible Landscapes, part of the Black Project Gaming Podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to visit blackprojectgaming.com for previous Delta Green episodes. You can also listen to our ongoing Waterdeep Dragon Heist and Barovia, California campaigns. If you'd like updates on all future releases, please follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Until next time, I'm Vince, your host and handler, with Brett as DEA Special Agent Michael Whitwer, also known as Agent Vega, Cami as FBI Special Agent Geneva Brown, also known as Agent Venus. Doug as FBI Special Agent Mark Hansom, also known as Agent Meshock. And Jack as FBI Special Agent Cassandra Troy, also known as Agent Madison. Thank you again, and remember, we'll be seeing you.